This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that's brought to you by Kids in the Kitchen, this old house, and unfortunately can't give you money for nothing. It doesn't make much sense, but stick with us. I'm Andrew Page, and with me is Scott Phillips. G'day, Andrew. G'day, fools. Yeah, some very vague references there to the topics. <laughs> We're good at vague. We are. Um, the, the, what are we talking about today? Well, we've got three topics, as always. The first, we've had uh, the next episode in the Bellamy's Soap Opera has unfolded, so we'll bring you up to speed on that. Every Australian's favourite topic, property. We're going to revisit that again. Uh, rent versus buy. Verdict, apparently, is in. And everyone's favourite topic as well, interest rates. <laughs> uh, two fairly closely related. A lot of talk uh, recently about they could be on the way up. So we talk a bit about what does that mean for the rest of us. So and what should we do? And what should we do? But let's let's start with Bellamy's, and we'll do this one pretty quickly. Scott, if you could yes. bring our listeners up to speed for those who may have missed some of the earlier talk on this. Sure. We've, we've done this a couple of weeks, Andrew. It's basically been the big story over January, late December, early January, because Bellamy shares were suspended for almost six weeks, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, the company downgraded once. They downgraded again. They suspended their shares. Uh, there was a... <laughs> Nature of horse of vacuum, as we said last time, and the market of pause of vacuum even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were speculating, you know, really unhappy and seeing what was going to happen. The company shares relisted on Wednesday, came back onto the market, and promptly fell by about a third. Mm. And you don't have to be a genius to work out that if shares fall by a third, that's probably because we've got a situation where there's some bad news. There and is there some was. bad news. Well, we were expecting bad news, weren't we? So the, the producer of the organic baby formula uh, the product that's just gone... Nuts uh, here, and in particular in China, uh, shares were $1.40 only back a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. hit 16 bucks, Tenfold return. now sits around, as we record this, around 4.30 or so. So as it turns out, the um, a bit of a problem here with their supply contracts. These guys, are, 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 they're, they're contract manufacturers. They don't have a farm. They don't have a factory. They outsource all of that kind of stuff. Yep. A lot of attractive features of that, very capital-like model. Um, you know, they basically manage the brand and it's just very, very attractive economics when it goes right. Yeah, and you say you say they're contract manufacturers. In fact, they have contract manufacturers manufacturing for them. Mm. So the Bellamy's business right. is basically a brand and a couple of salespeople, and it's quite not quite that simple, but it's not much more complex than that. As you said, no cows, mm. no infant formula canning facilities. They literally get someone else's cows and someone else's factory and say, make us some infant formula, yep. put it in this special can with a nice blue logo at the top, yep. and go and sell it to a heap of Australians, and most importantly for Bellamy's, mm. a heap of Chinese. And the growth was spectacular. Mm. Until it wasn't. Well, it wasn't. And, and and what happened there, of course, is a little bit of a hiccup in in the China story. We've gone into that in a, quite a bit of detail already, so we won't we won't delve Indeed. into that. Uh, as it turns out, that little hiccup really caused a whole bunch of problems because in their rush and desperation to lock in supply, because again, remember these mm-hmm. things were flying off the shelves. Um, they 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 locked in these these uh, uh, arrangements that had minimum requirements. And when they actually didn't need that much, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they're on the hook for what are called shortfall payments, which basically, whether you take or pay, use mm-hmm. it or don't use it, we don't care, but you're paying us this <laughs> minimum amount anyway. Nice problem to have. And so when they came back on the market, they said, yeah, so we've got a real bloated inventory. Uh, it takes a long time for that to slow down. We are slowing it down, but we're still going to have to pay extra. As it turns out, probably around $12 million per year for the next couple of years. And this is for a business... Just because they'd made a contract they couldn't fulfill. Yeah. And so Damn. they've gotten a whole bunch of grief for that. The CEO's been given the boot as a result yes. of it. The CFO's been demoted. Yes. Um, so I, I guess the, the first thing that I'd, I'd ask you here, Scott, 
is was this a really obvious blunder? No, and this is this is look, hindsight. If, firstly, investors love a, a scapegoat, and secondly, hindsight is always twenty twenty. In a parallel universe, Bellamy's is now selling twice as much InfoFormula as last year. The CEO Laura McBain is being hailed as a genius for signing these contracts that guaranteed them the volume that they needed, and Bellamy shareholders announcing with shares worth thirty dollars a share. Mm, mm. Now that's in one universe. Yeah. What happened was that they had growth, they had fantastic growth for multiple years. Mm. This was a really, really strongly growing business. And they had no reason to believe it wouldn't continue. So they basically sat there and said, look, we've got to make sure there's enough supply here. We've been out of stock already once. We're not going to have that happen again. Mm. Let's make sure we've got enough stock to meet our growing demand. Yeah. And as it turns out, the demand just simply stopped growing and in fact went negative for a period, only slightly, but negative for a period of time. And they couldn't sell all the formula they wanted to buy. They'd drawn a, a, a graph um, extrapolations end up killing them because they've said, if this keeps growing at this rate, we're going to do this much stock. Let's make sure we've got it, which is a super smart idea, except when growth doesn't come true, doesn't come through, I should say, you end up suffering. So I guess the real nub of the issue for, for listeners and particularly for shareholders right now, or even those sort of looking at the mm -hmm. sidelines thinking, geez, I wonder if this is a bargain. I mean, as I yeah. said, this was 16 bucks at one stage. You know, it's, it's about a, um, a quarter of that at the moment. Um, does that mean that we're, we've got a bargain here? Should, 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 you know, we hear a lot of, um, you know, Buffett quotes and the rest of it, you know, you should be greedy when others are fearful. You right. want stocks to fall because you're getting the same <laughs> stock for a cheaper price. What do you reckon? The, the, the question that Bellamy Shell is now confronting is what does the future look like? Is there going to be growth or not? Mm. And quite frankly, Andrew, nobody knows. And this is the challenge. And look, you know, there is a real message here for all investors. If you simply extrapolate the past, you you run the risk of getting your backside handed to you when that when that extrapolation simply doesn't come true. Mm -hmm. Just because you grew last year and the year before doesn't mean you'll keep growing this year. Now, the corollary of that, for what it's worth, is more often than not, winners do keep on winning, as one of our colleagues likes to say. Yeah. And so, honestly, if you if you bet on Bellamy's like businesses mm. enough times, I reckon you'd come out well and truly ahead. Yeah. What it doesn't mean is every individual bet is going to work. Now. The question for Bellamy shareholders now is this is trading on still a very ritzy PE because mm. price earnings ratio, because the profit has fallen mm. and they're going to have to pay those, those, those shortfall well, payments. Let's right? dig into that. I think you make an excellent point. That problem of anchoring we've talked before, right. just because it's $4 doesn't make it cheap. You're <laughs> buying exposure to the future, not the past. Yep. Um, they've come out as part of this update um, they delivered um, uh, recently. It, they're, they're looking at a profit, which is basically half of what it was the year before. Yeah. Um, we know that things are going to take a little while to, even under the best case scenario, it's going to mm -hmm. take a while for things to sort of come good here. Yeah. Um, uh, and it still could be worse than management expect, and that's the issue, right? They're saying they're going to pay about 12 million bucks a year in shortfall payments. But quite frankly, if sales do continue to fall, mm. they may have to pay even more than that. So there is a real amount of uncertainty. The bet you've got to make as a Bellamy shareholder, or if you're going to buy shares, is I think the company will get back to strong growth in the future. Yeah. Now, if that happens, you're doing fantastic. Oh, they're a well. screaming bargain if that happens. If it doesn't yeah. happen, they're incredibly expensive. And it's hard to know, isn't it? It right. really is hard to know. Um, again, given sort of the opaque nature of the Chinese market and where that's going to go. Um, you know, again, you mentioned before, relative to what they've told the market to expect in profit this year, it's trading at a very, very lofty multiple. Yep. There's a whole bunch of risks around the debt scenario and working capital Correct. scenario as well. We don't know what's going to happen there. So again, I guess just to wrap this up, what I uh, the take-home message I think from us, Scott, is at the moment is although shares are much, 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 much cheaper, I don't think that necessarily makes them a bargain. I would also add there's absolutely no need to rush on any of this. 
Um, and that frankly, I would, and again, if you look at it um, relative to its peers and similar type companies, it's still very, very, very expensive. Yep. And for us, I think it's a pass. Yeah, I think so too. There's a bonus lesson here too, very quickly, which is when you're signing a contract, be very, very careful very what you're committing careful. to. Yeah, absolutely. Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Okay, Scott, um, rent versus buy. The great debate. The great debate. Now, you're a, you're a homeowner? I am a homeowner. I'm well, a, I, I own most of my home. The bank owns the, the rest. The bank owns the rest, right? I'm, I don't own any of my home. Right. I'm a renter. Um, now, uh, we, we like to talk about who's the, the, the smarter person. Yeah, Clearly spoiler alert. Um, I, and, I, I and, and we've talked a bit about it before, but we had, a, we had an article out recently. It was in the press. And a bunch yeah. of boffins got together. They looked at the last 30 years worth of data in Australia. And I'm right. And they said, it is better to buy. You, it's okay for you to say I'm right. It's, it's okay. Well, I'm going to say that maybe you and them are wrong, but, but let, let, let's, let's tease this apart a bit. I guess the, the first thing is, is that you know, these studies come out fairly often. I remember last year, right. a very authoritative source, the Reserve Bank of Australia said, mm. actually, we did a big study too. And they came out saying, no, nah, it's about even, Stephen. But the new data says I'm right. <laughs> There we go. That's all we need. We can finish the podcast now, Liam. Confirmation bias alert. Um, <laughs> and then there was another study in the US, which I said, no, 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 renting is better. So I in think the US, though. Rather than, rather, a couple of things I would so say. So I'm still right. A couple of things. Let it go, buddy. Right. Let it go. Um, a couple of things you, you, Thanks, Elsa. We've, we've got to um, acknowledge here. I think, you know, there's, uh, even though we've got our own preferences, I think there's, there's a lot of things in this that really are, are, are personal in nature. I mean, the great thing about buying is you've got wonderful security. Mm. As I have lamented, returns are better. As I have lamented to you in the past, as much as I think I'm smart with renting, I tend to get kicked out of my house every year or two. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not paying the better, rent. If you're a better tenant, that might help the you. The bloody know, landlord wants to renovate or sell, or <laughs> you know, so this you can't you get no security. I you know if I, I can't add any additions or anything to my house, and so that that becomes a real nightmare. Buying a property, you you get wonderful security. And I also think too, for a lot of people, it's a great method of forced savings. You know, you take out the mortgage, you pay that off over time. You know, you wake up one day, it's 20 years later and you've got, you've got an asset. Yeah. Even if the returns are terrible, you actually finally do end up owning a home that doesn't require you to pay more weekly payments once you've paid it off. Yeah. It makes a huge amount of sense. Plus I'm right, right? (laughs) You're really, you're a dog at a bone here, aren't you? (laughs) I I just want you to hear you say it again. Now look, I, I'll take the other half of this. You've been very generous and, and outlined the benefits and the advantages. It's in my of, nature, of buying, mate. Right? It's in my nature. We know, though, that the, the benefits of renting tend to be you have the opportunity to use the excess capital. We know, it. look, for the same house, it costs much, much less to rent than it does to buy, to mm-hmm. own, right? Because yep. you have to pay off the principal. Mm. And you can use some of the savings to invest in other assets that give you a higher return. Mm. So if you can invest in shares that have traditionally gained 10% a year, you're going to do very, very nicely with that extra money, particularly if shares beat property when it comes to returns mm. and to your point that the previous studies and funnily enough the studies have changed as the house price boom has continued yeah, right so five years ago renting was clearly 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 better right because yeah, yeah. we only had 20 odd years of, of, of massive house price gains <laughs> now five years later has been another five years of gains and yeah. so the new data and this is the problem with it's the research, hindsight bias isn't it right over the last 30 years mm. it's been better to buy yeah but if you can find a Wayback Machine, take me back to 87, I'll happily buy a house. Yeah, obviously. But, yeah. but you know, saying now, oh, by, by the way- By 10 investment th- properties, negatively right. gear yourself up to the eyeballs and <laughs> retire a billionaire. Yeah. But you can't say, well, over the last 30 years, it was better to buy. It's like, well, I can't go back to 87. So what do you, there's no, there's no value yeah. in that. So yes, it's a, it's a hindsight machine, which says, if you'd been able to buy in 87, you would have done better buying than renting. Mm. Fair enough. Mm. The question though, is where do we go next? Where do we go from here? And mm. so- 
the question you've got to ask yourself as with any asset is what return am I likely to get from this asset? What are the alternatives available to me? And of course, with property, what are the lifestyle choices you're prepared to make? Yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's a, a very, very important point. So where do we where do we wrap this up? Uh, I'm right. I'm right. <laughs> Funny, I didn't think you would you would say that. Um, no, yeah. Look, it, well, it comes out. It, yeah. At the end of the day, it's a personal decision. Mm. It needs to be based on the lifestyle requirements you have. Do you want the security of a house? Do you want to not move? Or conversely, do you want the freedom to move? By the way, which actually some people do like. Yeah. And you're paying a whole lot less. And I think you and I both agree, Andrew, that we expect the next 30 years to be nothing like the last 30 when it comes to house prices. And Snowball's fact, chance in hell. If we were going to put some money down right now, we'd be saying we'd absolutely bet on shares to beat property. Yep. Not because we're share guys anyway, right? So that, that makes sense. But mm. the, the very mechanics of what it costs to buy a house, mm. if, the, if the past gains are extrapolated into the future, no one's buying houses. Yeah. And I would say with renting, you've got a lot more flexibility with those investment options as well. Um, and the other thing I would say with buying is... Um, no matter what the, the case or the outlook is, is just whatever you do, just don't don't get yourself too far um, in debt. Whatever you do, make sure it is manageable. Right, right. And we should. There's a nice little segue coming up here. Uh, we should we should say when you when you're buying a house and you're taking a typically a thirty year mortgage, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to be you don't have to be Nostradamus to work out that probably over that thirty year period interest rates are going to go up at yep. some stage. Yep. Now. That's exactly what <laughs> people are talking about. But first, be- just for the record, so we got some really clearly. Who was right, you or me? Let's come back in twenty years oh. and we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see the uh, annualized compound return. We'll, we'll have so you almost try way. and say it, and you couldn't quite get the words out, could you? All right. Never going to admit I'm wrong. Let's mate. go to which was right. It's not in my nature. Real money advice from real people, not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple m. So interest rates. So yes. it, it's been it's been started yeah, really since sort of Trump came along. There's there's um, there's been a bit of talk of this, but again, just yep. recently in the press, the end of last year, we saw uh, banks' interest rates uh, to investment properties had gone up out of cycle. So that is you know. The RBA hasn't done anything, but banks are charging a little bit more for yes. that. Just last week, it turns out the credit card um, uh, interest is going up. It's already ridiculous. I think it's nineteen percent <laughs> on average. So if you're borrowing money on a credit card, I mean, yeah, think about have a good look in the mirror there. Yep. But either way, that's going up. Yep. And so there's a couple of things I, I just want to dig into here. Um, firstly, what does what does that mean for that that property investor? Yeah. Is it is it a sensible idea to fix? Because you 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 hear. In fact, I'm seeing more and more ads around the place now saying, "Hey, interest rates are on the way up. Fix, fix, fix." <laughs> you lock in your interest rate. It's a known known, right? You, you, you're not going to be caught yeah. um, with your pants down if interest rates fly up. You know mm-hmm. exactly what your payments are going to mm-hmm. be. Should you fix? There's so much in that, Andrew. You've you've done a great job of of, of talking through about eighty four different topics and then finished with the question. The uh, and Hot the, potato over to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks very much. You're now sitting back on your recliner drinking your beer while I'm trying to struggle through an answer. Um, look, interest rates are on the way. There is a cyclical increase in rates on the way, mm. and in fact, you mentioned Donald Trump, and that's absolutely true. The pace of growth is likely to be faster under Trump than without him. Mm. But this was already happening. U.S. rates first went up in December of 2015. And then again in December of 2016. So we are very much in a tightening cycle, to use the Boffin's favorite mm-hmm. favorite term. Uh, rates are going up in the US, unquestionably. The question isn't, are they going up? It's how fast are they going up? And when mm-hmm. are the rates going to increase? Okay. The US Fed is saying maybe three rate increases in 2017. Mm. Um, so, you know, that that that's material. You know, they've only done a couple, effectively two since the GFC. So mm. two in 10 years, close enough. Yeah. There might be another three in the next 12 months alone. So- and quite frankly, the Australian market, if I'm a betting man, and I'm not, but if I was, I would bet the next Australian rate move is up as well. 
That's the interesting thing, isn't it, though? Because we have seen rates in the U.S. do, do it. Here, they haven't. They, they haven't um, done that. And yet, right. and people go, well, why is why are our banks putting their rates up? The, quite, the answer, of course, is is that a lot of banks get their funding from overseas, yes. and so they are they are wearing the consequence of that. So, and although it's too. although it's a you know the banks like sort of like cry poor when that happens, <laughs> and you know they're still making ridiculous returns on equity and the rest of it, um, it is not an entirely unfounded argument. No, that's true. And also too, there's there's a reality that so the current costs are in increasing from mm. overseas, as you say. The other reality is that th this is a global market for credit and it's very, very likely that Australian rates will increase over time. Mm. Australian companies are paying more for, for interest rates. And you know, remember, the rates in Australia and in the US are at emergency low levels. These are, these are unprecedented. These are post-World War II lows. Yeah. That, that says, you know, interest rates aren't supposed to always be low. They're supposed to be moderate. That's what the, the RBA wants them to be in a position that neither stimulates nor retards the economy's growth, right. right? They want it right in that sweet spot. This is way, way, way down the end of stimulating growth. Mm. And so at some point, the RBA, not, they, don't, they don't want to do anything other than not lifting rates to kind of slow anything down. They're saying, let's return them to normal. The accelerator is all the way to the floor. The car yeah. can't keep running at 110% of capacity forever. Yeah. We're going to ease it back to 95%. Needs because that's just dry smart. powder for when, it, you know, perhaps it's really needed. Analogy central here at uh, Motley Fool Money. <laughs> that's right. No, you're right. And so, so that's, that's the challenge. So look, you so, asked the question about fixing that, rates. Right, right. And... The reality is whenever you fix your rate, you are betting against, guess who? The bank. The bank. And so... Well, they're not giving money away for free, right? So they, it, they, they have very, very smart people yep. that they've got a very specific view on interest rates. Doesn't We've talked before about yep. you know the foolishness of, of forecasts and doesn't mean these guys gonna know exactly what's going to happen. Yep. But they, they have, they're, they're like the, the casino operator, right? right, they're, they're, right. they're playing the odds. They're playing the numbers. They've got a very good idea um, as to what margins they're going to make. And, and, and frankly, for them, when you fix it... They're, that they're not they're not doing a, as a favor to <laughs> That's you right. okay so Let me help you and fix your life so having said all of that and um I, I do tend to think there is some value in fixing and the value is is that certainty element that that i talked of before yep. so if certainty is of great importance to you and you want to know exactly what your mortgage repayments are going to be over the term of, of the that you fixed your loan for then it's got value outside of that i actually don't think it is the better way to go um, I remember reading some studies a while back, which basically said, you know, historically had you fixed, it's, it's not, it's not been in your favor to do so. Right. Um, so there's, there's, there's that, uh, to bear in mind. The other thing as we sort of touched on before as well, is that I think when you're taking out debt over long periods of time, you know, it's very dangerous to say, Hey, look, it's only 4% for, for my mortgage. I can afford that just, uh, and everything <laughs> will be fine. You know, and I need to wake up five years later and now interest rates are 8% and, and you can't make your repayments. Right. And that's the key issue. So fixing gives you certainty, as you said, Andrew, if you're someone who needs that, just, just psychologically, you need that certainty mm. by all means fix. But remember you're fixing for one, three or five years, mm. you're probably signing a 30 year mortgage, right? Yeah. So the next 25 years after that are going to be whatever they are. And remember the other. The, are there the penalties of, for repaying extra too when you fix? I believe inside I was, the fixed term, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. So you don't you lose a bit of flexibility. Yeah. The, the downside, though, uh, when you fix, you're going to fix at whatever rate the bank says makes available to you, and they know rates are going to go up. So quite frankly, the other thing is you're going to be paying more yeah. for a five year fix today totally. than the variable rate. So yeah. you're actually also gambling. You're, you're choosing to pay more today. Yeah on the hope that you'll pay less over the five years, yes. or you're paying more today for that certainty, yep. either is okay. But remember, the very rate is still cheaper and yep. you're betting against the bank when they say, mm. I want to charge you 5% rather than four, okay. you're betting that rates will be higher by then. So we talked a bit about what it means for property. What does it mean for shares? There's, there's this, you know, if you open the textbooks, it'll tell you that generally speaking, higher interest rates are bad for the share market. They are. 
There's two reasons I'll go off the first. The first is that, you know, like us, a lot of companies borrow money. So when interest rates go up, they've got a, their interest bill is higher and their profit as a result, all else being equal, is lower. And so, I've got to say, that's a really, really important one because we've gone through a decade of companies having higher and higher profits purely as rates have fallen. Yeah. So if you own a company with a lot of debt, you've benefited from that falling. You've got better returns, you've got higher share prices, more profits, more dividends. When that turns... It's going to turn. Mm. And next year's profit, if rates are higher, is going to be less than this year's just because the interest bill goes up. Yeah, That means you're going to get lower growth than you used to, lower growth than you're probably expecting, and maybe even lower growth than the current share price is allowing for. Yeah. So watch that one. What's Indeed. the other one? What's the other effect? Well, the other one, this is a this is kind of a, a bit of a theoretical one, right? So we won't go into too much of the detail. This isn't exactly the place for diagrams and graphs. Mm. But basically, when you value shares, you're valuing them relative to a rate in the market. Mm. And so when rates are really low, say, you know, we're paying, I'm paying 3.9% for my mortgage. Mm -hmm. um, it, you can afford to get a lower average return from shares relative to the cost of debt. Mm. So the official cash rate's a couple of percent. You might be getting 7% total. That's 5% mm. more than the official cash rate. Now, when the cash rate goes up to 6 or 7%, or so 4 or 5%, you want 9 or 10% return. Mm. Now, to get that on the same shares, yeah. you've got to pay less for those shares. And that depresses the price of the shares. You're probably old enough to remember this, Scott. Oh, be nice. Uh, back in the 80s. Color TV. Back in the 80s. Uh, Moving pictures. You know, when you used to ride your horse <laughs> to, to school, there was... A kangaroo, thank you. For our American <laughs> right, listeners. That's right. I ride a kangaroo to school. <laughs> and what did we have? We had interest rates at like 15, 16, I think 18% it got to. It now, did for a very brief look, time. As you've said, we're share market guys. I got to tell you, yep. if I could get something like <laughs> a 12% return just by putting my money in the bank, right. why on earth would I invest in shares when it's virtually as close as you can get to risk free? You're getting double digit returns. And that's a much better way of saying what I just tried to say, <laughs> right. which is that if you can get it cheaper somewhere else or a better return without taking the extra risk you're going to. Yeah. And so your people aren't going to pay as much for the extra risk they're taking. So if you've got to get more in shares if it's riskier yeah. and you're getting a lesser incremental return, you're going to pay less for those shares. So the price of the asset falls if you can get better returns elsewhere. And we've seen this play out recently, just this talk of higher interest. It's, it's those it's those um, right, bond proxies, as they're the often called. The yield plays. The yield plays, the transurbans, the Sydney airports. Yep, so these, kind of, these shares have been coming down, not because anything's changed with the underlying business, but because people think, well, that yield ain't looking so good relative to what I think I'm going to be able to get in the future. So and there's also got a lot of debt. Yeah, and, and very, very true. So it's, it's a two-pronged thing. So I guess, the, again, let's, let's get to the nub of the issue yes. here. So with interest rates going up, yes. do I want to be invested in shares? Yes. Okay, I, knew you'd say, I knew obviously you're going to say that, but why? I mean, we've just said it's bad, right? No, we've said that the returns will be less than they would have otherwise been, given okay. that scenario. Okay. Look, any we spend our entire lives, Andrew, quite frankly, in this podcast and elsewhere, saying to people, for the love of God, look long term. Mm. And right now, maybe rates go up, maybe they don't. Maybe Donald Trump's a genius, maybe he's not. Maybe the stock market doubles next year, maybe it doesn't. No one can actually know. What we do know is over the long term, over decades, the market goes up about 10% a year, year in, year out. No one can predict what it's going to do next. Anyone who tries to is either kidding, lying, lying to themselves or lying to you or both. Mm. So you know what? The only way to do this is to keep investing, put regular amounts in the stock market. The money I put in the market today might do fantastically or it might do terribly. Mm. The money I put in six months might do okay or terribly. The money I put in in two years might do okay and terribly. But over time, the returns have been about 10% a year, which absolutely wipes the floor with anything else you can get across the board. Yep. And that's what makes it worthwhile. I guess what I would say, though, it just just to add a little bit to that, is that 
it, it also means that you've got to be prudent and sensible. So if you're looking in the market and you think, oh, geez, I want to buy a share and you come across something that's got a huge amount of debt. I mean, that's, there's, there are some common features that always bring companies undone and, and, and high debt is one of them. And particularly going into a higher interest rate environment, companies with, with very, very high debt, uh, particularly if they don't have very dependable recurring cash flows, is something that you want to be wary of. And you also, as always, want to have a view as, as to valuation. It's very easy to do very badly in a wonderful business if you pay too much. So, so again, you need to sort of factor these expectations. And if you've got a company that's paying a 6% um, yield and is, is barely growing, <laughs> you know, that you are, as those rates go up, you know, it's probably not the greatest of values. You've always got to have an eye on the, 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 the well, the value of what you're, what you're buying. Spot on. One quick one to finish off. Avoid debt to your point, Andrew. The thing to look for, if rates go up, it's only because inflation's going up. Yeah. And if inflation goes up, you want to find companies with pricing power. Yes. That is the key term in, in, a, in an inflationary environment. Look for pricing power. What is pricing power? Pricing power is a company that can put their prices up and you're going to say, hang it, I'll buy it anyway. Yeah. The easiest example is the glass bottle in front of me, which is a bottle of Coke Zero. Coke can put their prices up and I'm going to drink exactly as much Coke as I would have, as is everybody else. Mm-hmm. Transurb is another one you've mentioned. Yeah. You're not going to stop using the toll roads if the toll goes up five yeah. or 10 cents a, a yeah, trip. I'm a fan of Transurb. So, yeah. you know, look for, in the case of an inter- increasing interest rates, increasing inflation, look for pricing power. If a company has the ability to raise prices and you won't go anywhere else, that's a high quality business. And one other final thing as well. One of the things that whenever interest rates are being talked about, everyone in the media basically gives this line that it is it is ubiquitously, ubiquitously, if I get that out right, bad. Uh, and it's not. You know, for, for, for retirees and people who are sort of got net savings, you actually want interest rate. You're getting, yeah, you're, right, exactly. you're getting more money from your, so it's, it's, we've, got to, we've got to look at, it, um, at everyone's example here. You got it. Okay, Scott, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Andrew. It's been fun. Don't forget that you can subscribe to Triple M's Motley Fool Money through iTunes or your favorite Android podcast app. And as every week, we always ask if you would be so kind, please give us a nice, big, fat five-star rating. We'd really appreciate it. Even if you don't like it, do it anyway. Just do it, it anyway. Happen. Just Make do it, it anyway. Make it resolution. <laughs> exactly. Uh, until next week, full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.